0: Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. As we roll into uh, Hour 2 of our three-hour tour, we're going to shift gears and talk about something uh, very different uh, with world trade expert Nick Klein, who joins me by phone. Uh, good morning, Nick. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thank you. Um Nick, one of the things we're going to talk about is uh, China, certainly, and uh, and the tariffs, yep. and whether or not President Biden um, should or will roll back some of those uh, some of those tariffs. What are the impacts of the tariffs um, leaving them or or rolling them back? Well,
2: I think, you know, leaving them obviously is a big cost, almost, a you know, a tax, you know, to the consumer because we're all paying, you know, anywhere from 5 to 25% more um, for the goods, you know, that are being imported, whether it be the raw material or the finished product. Um, so it, it is a cost to us. Um, I realize, you know, one of the big reasons they put them in is to kind of maybe push people to import from other places, to spread it out. And that's what, you know, originally what Section 232 and 301 were meant to do, um, you know, our government to be used as a tool so they can kind of spread things out. Um, The big issue is a lot of countries aren't ready to manufacture or aren't, you know, as far ahead as China. So when these did come about, a lot of companies did leave. They went to Vietnam first. And then, you know, they ran out of probably workers there. And then a lot of the other countries in Southeast Asia aren't as educated, so they can't do technology. They're more Mm -hmm. limited to, let's say, furniture or clothing. Um, So they found there weren't a lot of places to go, and it takes time. Um, So I don't know how well it's worked thus far, but we have seen some business shift away from China, which would help us be less dependent on China.
3: Well, you know, when you talk about um, tariffs and the cost of tariffs being passed on to consumers, is there ever a tax or a tariff that impacts the people or institutions it's intended to impact? (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, I know it, it hasn 't in this case that 's for sure
3: <laughs> no, but uh, really, we see yeah. that all the time. You know we yeah. raise tax uh syntax on alcohol and cigarettes yeah. and those kinds of things, correct and the companies just add it to the price of of uh, paying it, and customers end up making the decision if they want to pay a higher price for whatever it is, and they do um yeah and, we and saw so that it, everyone
2: added this on to their cost and passed it along to the consumer
3: and and look at what's going on with gas
2: yeah it, well yeah and and obviously um all these things that we're talking about that have the tariffs on them are obviously ships so you're using fuel in the ocean the railroad and then and then finally the truck or the truck on each end as well so yeah it's really hitting these things really hard when you combine the fuel and with freight costs being as high as They've ever been in history with the tariffs as well. It's really added up to a lot of inflation for
3: us. Now the tariffs on China. One of the one of the things that's being talked about um, with regard to pulling back on the tariffs from China is they're blaming that for uh, shipping delays, for shortages in products like we've seen recently with baby formula. Um, is it really having that impact or is there something else going on and the, the, the tariffs on China are being blamed
2: for? No, it's not the tariffs. It's just the um, the supply chain, you know, just isn't that flexible. And, and that's why you can move a container from, for example, you know, be- before these last two years for $4,000, let's say, from Shanghai, China to Detroit. That's very inexpensive. Um, but um now that we had those two months where everything shut down for covid and things stopped shipping you know it's just kind of like a slinky effect and it's it's really messed up our supply chain and then obviously the huge demand came after the lockdown when everyone wanted, wanted to do home improvements and and buy things to do outside um and you know that really um the volume May may we broke another record for imports by the way just this last May, um, two months ago. So we still are seeing that heavy volume. And the supply chain just hasn't caught up yet, and we don't think it will until next year.
3: Now, Nick, um, the OEC group um, that that you're involved with, at least in the Chicago Bureau, um, is, is involved in importing things from all over the world. Yes setting that mission aside for a moment can you explain the 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 benefits of a global economy and and because there are a number of people who think maybe it's time to bring everything in house again i see that the hard part is i think we're just accustomed to this
2: lifestyle where you know a toothbrush is a dollar at walmart obviously we're paying people fifteen dollars an hour to manufacture these things it's not going to be a dollar any longer the other thing is there's a lot of things we don't have for instance rare earth metals we can't make our own batteries um you know we need china for that um well you mentioned
3: detroit chips comes to mind
2: pardon me yes chips (laughs) yeah there you go rare earth metals chips exactly the automotive industry, and then as well as and look at the direction we're going with batteries. So that's another thing that we're dependent on other countries for, and we kind of need. So that's that's the, the the main thing I would say about how why we you know the global economy is good for us because there's we don't have everything here right now, and um, so we we need to have trade with other countries.
3: How do the sanctions against Russia impact? oil prices around the world why why has gas gone so ridiculously high and why didn't releasing some oil from the uh, strategic uh, oil reserve bring that down more well i had read
2: that we actually decreased production of where we get a lot of our stuff also i believe um you know actually bring that up with those um sanctions a lot of them um, you know, has tightened the supply, and like you just said, why haven't we used the reserves? You, you know, I don't know. I don't want to get too uh, political. In well, that we regard.
3: did. I think. I think the president <laughs> released something like a million barrels, and what I'm talking about is, you know, economic cause and effect, not the politics of whether we should or right. shouldn't. But we did, and why didn't the prices come down more? Yeah, that's a that's
2: a good question that I'm not. Uh, totally um sure of because they haven't come down here you're right and uh maybe that wasn't enough to to make the needle move
3: well it, it it clearly wasn't but what about this idea of um should we should the u.s be looking at at supporting um companies that make things that we are only getting from other countries as a backup to when there are supply chain and, and other blockade type issues. Yeah, a lot of people now are looking to do more nearshoring, which you know means just
2: to source closer to the U.S. because you know Asia is so far away where so many of our things uh, come from. But again, we still need a lot of the raw materials from there, so it's hard um, to do that. You know, to, to move everything. Um, elsewhere, and and um, that's that's the big challenge we run into.
3: With the um, now, how do the tariffs um, actually work? They're they're levied based on what, to whom, etc.
2: So whoever's importing the product, say your ABC company, and you import, you know, rims for Honda cords. Um, They will take the commercial invoice value, which means how much the company that's importing those rims pays for that product from the supplier in China, and then whatever tariff is assigned to that commodity, in some cases 25%, a 25% um, tariff is uh, multiplied times the value of the product you're bringing in, and then you pay that to the government, to customs
3: now isn't it kind of a chicken in the egg if if they uh, if they base the tariff on the info in the in, on the invoice value how does uh, ABC company increase that invoice to pass the price on to customers either the companies that they're shipping to or their customers eventually um, how, how do they do that without kicking the tariff up?
2: So what we saw was people added that, added that on you know, to their costs. We even saw people, so let's say, you know, again, they're paying 25% of what they paid for the product, but we saw a lot of companies added 25% to their current retail price um, and found it as a way to kind of ge- generate some extra revenue as well
3: in and anticipation
2: paying it, yes.
3: in anticipation of the tariff they're increasing their prices by the amount of what the tariff is likely to be so the invoice that's being taxed um, is already inflated to include that price correct yes i see okay that's i, I was wondering so it gets that. passed on in the end to the consumer yeah and and how does that happen exactly? Uh, company ABC in China sends to XYZ in Detroit and uh, um, XYZ so in Detroit is paying the price with the tariff. Then they just automatically increase their prices based on what yes. their expenses have been?
2: Yes, because of the severe amount, right when this happened, with so many companies said, you know, we can't survive, we can't pass this on. And so they didn't have a choice, and they, they had to pass it on to customers. Because at first, you know, they didn't want to, thought it might be temporary because, you, you know, how it started. And then obviously when the new administration came in, a lot of people were hopeful that it would go away right away. So, but by that point, people had, had, to, they had to pass it on to stay in business.
3: Does uh, having that, that price inflated by the tariff does it do anything to make American uh, manufacturers and and producers of of various kinds of products um, more competitive? Um, it doesn't make them well. You're you'd be more
2: competitive by if you could import it from somewhere else. It doesn't have
3: no tarot. no no no. I mean, if they can make it here. You know, you, you gave the example of paying yeah, somebody yeah. $15 an hour to I'll make a $1 a extra... toothbrush. Um, yeah. if, that, if that $1 toothbrush is now $8, can that mm-hmm. American company be more competitive? Yes, with the tariffs, that has made
2: things more competitive. I'll give you an actual example cool. from the auto parts industry, if you want. Sure. So... Um, a set of brake pads, a gentleman told me that owns a, um, you know, a brake pad company. He said it cost him, just with the tariffs and the shipping, it cost him $27 a set, where he said, I can have those made for $26 a set in the U.S. or $24 a set in Mexico. So he's at the point where, you know, he said, I've got to move from China to either, he's looking at India and uh, Mexico and possibly the U.S., depending on if these tariffs stay in place. So that would, that's an example of something that would come back to America.
3: And, and that's really Good. kind of the idea of putting tariffs yeah. on products. Correct. Is to make it maybe more appealing to make them here.
2: Yes, yes. And that, that is the idea behind it.
3: I want to talk about this some more, but I have a break coming up here in about a minute. Um, Nick, can you stick around for a few minutes and we'll talk some more? My guest is manager at OEC Group's uh, Chicago Bureau, a leading facilitator in importing goods from all over the globe. He is a world trade expert. Um, Nick Klein will uh, be with us when we come back. In the meantime, if you're listening to us on WFOV, uh, LP, Our Voices Radio 92.1 FM, Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Hearing. And we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. Um, So we will uh, take a short break. Don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be back with more with Nick Klein talking about uh, Chinese tariffs and and other global economic uh, issues when we return. And uh, tomorrow we'll be talking about the Supreme Court with Brendan Beery during the 9 o'clock hour, so be sure and tune in for that. We'll be right back
4: everybody's
5: doing a brand new dance now
6: hi this is Mark Farner and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program
0: I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous well here's what you can do you can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app you can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous tip tab, where you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters.
4: Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19
6: vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get
0: vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you.
6: Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues.
0: Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we continue our conversation about uh, trade with China and uh, tariffs, etc., with a world trade expert from OEC Group's Chicago Bureau, Nick Klein. Nick, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Thank you. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No problem. (laughs) Um, well, one thing I think I, I thought of during the
2: break that they could do, the government, is maybe lift the tariffs on the, the items that we can only purchase from China.
3: Well, I, you know, that's what I was... I, I, I wanted to get into a couple things about global trade in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned during the last segment that, that one of the, the primary reasons is to make things that are being made in China, for example being one of the big ones um that are being sold here cheaper than we can make them here so the idea was to bump the price and then that makes it a little bit more competitive to man manufacture locally right but isn't one of the reasons for global trade not just getting goods made cheaper but also um Increasing the number of companies or uh, customers for American companies
2: yes, and then obviously we have you know a lot of agricultural products to sell as well when you look at exporting going the other way, which unfortunately china didn 't hold up their total end of the bargain on that deal, but um, what they promised to buy but that 's typical of china
3: but then aren 't they aren 't they motivated uh, in the wake of tariffs that we levy against them to Put tariffs up against the products we're trying to sell over there. Correct. And if we're making them here, and they're adding tariffs to them, does it make our products um, not very competitive cost-wise in other countries? Yes, correct.
2: For example, cars. You know, we. Um, you know, what you see Elon Musk has come out about the vehicles because there's a hundred percent duty in China for cars we want to sell to them, for example. So it's very cross-prohibitive. And I think you saw a lot of the cars get beefed up because of that. You saw, in recent years, the Explorer get much better, the Taurus the get much better, you know, for example. And that was because there's more business in China and India than there is in the fleet car business in the U.S., for example. But China makes it very hard. So we the cars had to be better, in other words, to command that price with the duty in China. So we're not very competitive in the automobile market because of the duty they put on our cars that's one example
3: but but i would think that would be true of some other things are there um are are there very many other countries that we're uh putting tariffs on the way we do china or is it just are, are we really kind of in a trade war with china It's
2: mostly um, China. There there were some uh, that have been lifted on alcohol and such, I know from the U.K. and some things in Europe, but I believe those have gone away now. Um, So it's pretty much um, China.
3: And is that the trade war with China? It is really based on they're making stuff less expensive than we are?
2: Yes. Well, in addition to that, they've gone come so far, tech, you know, with technology. They're very good at what they do. Um, they're manufacturing. In addition, we have you know young people that don't want to work with their hands anymore. Um, so, do we have the people to do these jobs if we brought them here? That's another question. And um, obviously, the the pay is is much different there than here. But um, as you already know.
3: Well, what about that, Um, you know, this this great resignation that we've uh, experienced recently? Um, Are there people that are willing to work? They're just looking to do different things than they were? Or is it a case, as as you've suggested, where uh, Americans are starting to think in terms of getting technology to do the work for them?
2: Yes, I think that's uh, exactly what it is, um, and uh, you know a lot of these a lot of these things. Um, you know, technology is going to replace jobs, but it's kind of funny right now the position we're in, where we have more jobs than people. It seems like currently. Now that'll change, and then maybe those jobs will be more in need.
3: I'm I'm a little suspicious, um, Nick, about that. That statistic we keep seeing about the number of jobs that are available and the number of people that are out of work. I, I suspect that the number of people who aren't working is, is um, underreported in a really big way.
2: Um, yeah, we're having a lot of trouble, for example, staffing, um, a lot of our customers are having trouble staffing They're you know, they're even asking for people we have that we can't afford to lose. Um, so I, I think there's quite a few people not working right now just cause, you know, doing this and hiring people for the last, you know, 16 years, I've never seen it so hard to find people as we we're finding right now.
3: Well, yeah, I remember what 20, 25 years ago, if somebody posted a position, they might get as many as 250 resumes for that one position. Yes, correct.
2: And now it's like pulling teeth to get um, resumes. And, and now that is, you know, people want, um, you know, high pay, starting, starting high salaries too.
3: But is the interaction between employers and employees um, happening? I, I, I don't want to say, you know, in secret, but, but hidden. Because a lot of it's going on on the on the internet and maybe isn't being tracked the same way that employment has been in the past.
2: That that could be true, and I'm I'm not you know an exact you know expert on on the staffing. Um,
3: I'm not trying to know, put you on the spot, Nick. I I know, but yeah. I know you look at some of these things, and um, I, and I just wonder what your thoughts are.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it's, uh, uh, underreported. Um, like I said, it, it, I, I see this all over across all different industries. You know, like, like you said, we import, you know, pretty much everything under the sun, whatever goes in a container or an airplane. And, um, we're, I'm hearing the same thing all over where people are shorthanded. And, and, you know, you, you see it when you go out. You see it at, I, there was a Starbucks for a while near where I was. They were only able to be open from 11 to 3, um, because of staffing. And they had a sign on the door. I mean, it's crazy.
3: Oh, I, I stopped by a, a favorite Mexican restaurant yesterday, and there was a sign on the counter as soon as I walked in the door that said, uh, take out only because we're understaffed today.
2: Yes, I flew I out of Miami Airport several weeks ago, and they didn't have people to push the plane back, so we had to wait. And they said that was staffing.
3: <laughs> well you should be glad they didn't ask you to get out and push, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> um But yeah, we're seeing it all over whether those numbers are accurate or not. And we're we're definitely feeling it and like you said, so are you going out to eat.
3: Yeah, I, I, I see it happening. I just I just wonder what's uh you know, what's what's at the, At the root of it, is there a, a, a magic number or formula for um, levying tariffs on a country like like china or or should it be product by product Well, I think it should be
2: product by product like I said first of all why why would you want a tariff on something we can only get from China, for example, if we can't find anywhere else then what's the point of the tariff, right? Then it's just kind of a tax on the consumer. So I do think it should be um, by commodity, um, you know, or, or, you know, for whatever reason that is.
3: But who receives the money from the tariff? That's the U.S. government, right? Correct,
2: yes. Um, yep, when we, when we, any shipment we bring in, um, we have to uh, pay the duty and the tariff, um, you know, for the customer, and then we bill them, of course. Um, But we have to pay that uh, right away when it comes in. So it goes right to uh, Customs and Border Patrol.
3: Is is there a a benefit to the average uh, person in this country by the government having that additional revenue stream?
2: I guess the question would be depends
3: what they do with it <laughs> I, I wish they well, would use it to help our, our it.
2: infrastructure <laughs> for me
3: I was going to say they're certainly not using it to uh um, offset uh taxes
2: yeah well, I would think they uh, could they've had quite a bit of money coming in from these tariffs um you know by now, like i said we a lot of them are at twenty five percent that's a, that's a big you know a lot of money that's that's going to the government.
3: What do you think President Biden is likely to do? Is do you, has he shown any indication of um, easing on those things we can't get anywhere else, and and maybe uh, strengthening uh, some of the tariffs on products that that we do manufacture and can't compete uh, cost. Wise. Well, I know that
2: there is um, pressure. I did um, hear that one of the U.S. trade representatives for the U.S. trade representative's office is in support of keeping the tariffs because they don't want to further make us more dependent on China and make make it that easy and inexpensive. So that that's the last I saw, and that was the U.S. trade representative's office that made that comment.
3: Well, see, this is really confusing to a lot of people who just... You know pick up a newspaper or turn on a news broadcast and they they see these these things and some people are saying um you know it's typical economist stuff on the one hand you know we should have strong tariffs on the other hand we should loosen them up and where can people get um what's a good resource for people to you know vet this information and and figure out how they feel about it
2: well, there's one thing I paid for, which isn't uh, what uh, everyone's looking for because they're not in the business, which is JOC.com. The Journal of Commerce is pretty good. But you can go to CBP.gov, uh, which is the, um, uh, you know, the acronym for um, Customs and Border Patrol, and you can find out all kinds of stuff on that website, um, you know, from the actual government on, on tariffs and so forth that's one good spot to go cbp.gov and then obviously anyone can google section 232 or section 301 those are the names of the tariffs
3: oh really yes and and it's just the two it seems it's it seems like we've had such a long history of doing tariffs that there would be a whole library of of Terror. Yeah, these, well, these are the,
2: the ones that were put in during the Trump administration that we're speaking about anyway. But, yeah, there, there are obviously others um, through time for, for different reasons. Um, for example, to help tire companies when the Obama administration was in, um, you know, they put tariffs on Chinese tires to help you know, companies in Ohio and Georgia and so forth that do tires. So different you know, administrations use them for different purposes.
3: You know, it's it's um, fairly common when uh, when presidential administrations change, especially when they shift parties like going from Barack Obama to Donald Trump to, you know, now Joe Biden. And very often we see, you know, the incoming president undoing things that the previous president had done. But taking all that politics out of it, Nick, as somebody who, you know, who, who studies uh, world trade, do you think that Donald Trump was pretty well advised when he instituted those tariffs? And I'm asking as a professional, not as somebody that, that wants to weigh in politically. Right. Um. The only thing I might question
2: is is the the timing of it. Um, I I think this is something that should have been done a long time ago, by three prior presidents probably, (laughs) Um, because we've just gone so far. You know what I mean? Like you know, it's how much you know we get from China, and uh, so my 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 only my question might be: Was it is it too late um, to make an impact and to change this? Um, and then my second question is, Is right, when the administration changes, I, I, you know, I would have thought that would be something Biden did, but uh, would get rid of. But on the other hand, if you have a stream of revenue coming in and you want to use it, he's got it, right?
3: Right. You know, I've, I've talked to some people, some in elected office, who talk about trade imbalance.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Is there an existing trade imbalance, and how difficult is it to balance trade? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't that be the goal of of everyone who supports a, a global market? Yes,
2: but it's leaning way too far toward Asia currently.
3: In when you say, um, it's leaning too far what is um, they're, they're selling a lot more to, we're buying a lot more than they are from us okay and and tariffs are one of the things in the toolbox to try to balance that are there others correct um well the
2: thing is it takes time too you know like i mentioned the the brake pad example earlier you know that's the gentleman that has a you know a factory in china that he owns and now it's can he you know how quick can he get the same quality out of India or Mexico where he's looking so that, that's the other thing it, it does take time other words without I know you asked about another tool but this tool isn't something that can you know is going to be just you snap your fingers and poop it's being produced somewhere else but we have seen a lot of that you know happen um where, where things have moved like I said to Vietnam Mexico and India um as far as other tools um, I'm not sure what the government um, can do, and I don't I don't know how much what they do can affect negatively our relationship with China as well, because I think that's another important part of this.
3: How how do you feel our relations are with China? Are they strained, and is it because of tariffs, or does it have? Uh, uh, do you think, from your vantage point, that it's more political than that? I, um, yeah,
2: I don't, I don't know that the tariffs is that big of a deal because if you look, we, America's been buying like crazy since those went in in 2018. Um, yes, yeah, some stuff has moved, but a lot of companies found they didn't have places they could necessarily go. Um, so um, it's, um, I'm sorry, I lost my trade thought, but it's, um, it, it's China, you know, there's so much involved in China, I just want to watch what I say. You know, you have the Taiwan Deal right, where sure. that's a
3: huge, uh, you know, uh,
2: you know, ally of ours. Um, whether that's and, right and or wrong, and a
3: political hot potato. Yeah, exactly.
2: And then you have you know the the Russian involvement and you know what's in the, the news. I personally, you know, up and before COVID, I would go probably a couple times a year to China, and you know, I always have felt comfortable there and felt fine. I think the I think the trade thing uh, we're in good standing with China. But I, I believe that we don't want to upset China in the in the other areas, and that could affect our trade.
3: Interesting. You know what I mean, um, is there? Do we have any sense for what the president is going to do? I, I think I asked that before, and I'm not sure if I really understood. Well, yeah, I just
2: wanted to say the last thing that I happened to see was the U.S. Um, Um, what was I going to say, Trade Representative's Office had said that they want to hold them accountable and they don't want to increase our dependence on China, and they felt like lifting them would increase our dependence on China, and that was their last statement.
3: Um, And
2: they believe that it could save, I think, $800 a year per household around there.
3: If they were to lift them. How much impact, uh, you know, the the U.S. has has been locating businesses uh, a lot in China, but in other parts of the world as well. And a lot of those, um, uh, locating those those, uh, plants in other countries around the world has been to find cheap labor. How is the American presence in those companies changing their economies?
2: Well, it's like, for example, the first place when these came in that people that could move, moved. A lot of them went to Vietnam, which, you know, shot their um, economy up. Um, Turkey has been another benefactor of people leaving China. Um, but we found there's a lot of countries that don't have the infrastructure for actually the, the shipping portion, or a lot of them are, are crooked, for lack of a better word. So it's hard to do business in a lot of countries. And, um, and no one has, you know, the, the, the amount of labor that, China has to offer either except for maybe India.
3: Well, and India has has become um a real significant uh partner in in some aspects of uh American economics. What are some other countries that are that are coming up? Well, they yeah, they've Vietnam, been around but they're
2: yeah, um, yeah. you'll see a little more of Malaysia, Indonesia, um, Philippines, but again, those are, like I said, lower educated areas, so you don't get as much tact as you might get, you know, textiles out of there. Um, Mexico, obviously, um, is uh, is a good place, you know, maybe you get your raw materials from China and assemble in Mexico, we're seeing a lot of automotive companies um, moving things to Mexico so they're they're closer, uh, so they don't get as pinched as bad by the supply chain like they currently are.
3: Well, this is a, uh, a fascinating conversation and I appreciate you sharing your expertise with me and the listeners. Um, Nick, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they might find out more about what we've been talking about and about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website that you'd like to share?
2: yeah i mean our company we are freight forwarders, so we um you know import whether it be through you know ocean or air um for our customers and that's oecgroup.com but the best place i think if you if you're interested in the specific um tariffs is like i said is um cbp.gov uh, is a great spot and then obviously you can google section 232 um which is the the steel um, tariff, and then Section 301 are all the other tariffs we're talking about that the Trump administration put in that are still in right now.
3: But I think those are good places to look. Well, Nick, thanks for spending this time with me, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Take care. That was Nick Klein, uh, world trade expert. He is the uh, manager at OEC Group's Chicago Bureau, a leading facilitator in importing goods from all over the globe. And uh, we're going to take a short break. Let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. Um, if... Uh, you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com. We have some messages as well. And I want to remind you again that tomorrow morning at the, uh, in the first hour of the show, we're going to be talking with our our Supreme Court guru from uh, WMU Cooley Law in Tampa. Brendan Beery is back after, uh, well, it's been kind of a hiatus, but uh, the Supreme Court has been in the news a lot. And we're going to unpack uh, as much of that as we can during the first hour of the show tomorrow with Brendan Beery, so be sure and tune in for that. Uh, in the meantime, we'll uh, we'll take a short break, but there's lots more of the Tom Sumner program. Straight ahead.
1: Radio
6: Cloth or disposable, paint or wallpaper, yellow or green?
0: Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet, rocker or glider. So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hey, why are we stopping? We're gonna be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we gotta get gas.
6: You're not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg.
0: Look, these days price swings of thirty or forty cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time but when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop attorney-generaling! We got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nessel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash ag. Put those away! We're at a gas station! What? (sighs)
6: This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
0: Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
4: When John Henry was a little baby, sitting on his daddy's knee. Picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel and said, Google, goo goo. That's not the, that's not the right verse. He was only six months years. Oh wait. Well, <laughs> <Six. laughs> Honey. The real, the ethnic. You know the real version, John. Exactly. When John Henry was a little baby, baby. sitting on his daddy's knee. Daddy picked him up, threw him on the floor. Says, "Baby's done wet on me." <laughs> I I, I apologize. I got one more chance. One more chance is all you get. See this pin? It says, "Think ethnic." You gotta think ethnic and sing ethnic to ever earn this pin when john henry was a little baby sitting on his daddy's knee, he picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel and said this hammer be the death of me lord lord hammer be the death of me
5: yeah when john henry was just a little tyke he picked up a piece of steel and a hammer. It seemed like he knew all the time, down deep inside, that he was going to work on the railroads. And there was a big story waiting for him to arrive on. Why, his little boy used to go around hammering on things. His daddy bought him a little hammer. He used to go around hammering the tables and hammering the fixtures,
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: We used to get a licking all the time. He'd go up and hammer on the front door. Hammer on the chairs. Whap. Yet as John Henry grew, he grew in size. And he grew in stature. And he grew in his mind. His horizons grew. He started going out and got a bigger hammer. Started walking around town hammering things. <laughs> hammering trees. People's fences. The fire
3: hydrants. Whap, whap.
5: While John Henry could just go around hitting one fire hydrant with one whop Yeah. All dogs in town hated John Henry. <laughs> well, the whole story goes is that when he grew to full size, he could drive steel on the railroad, drive those spikes in the ground faster than any ten men. People started talking about John Henry. Was the fastest man that ever drove steel on the railroad. And the whole story of John Henry really starts the day the captain told John Henry something. John Henry said, Tell me something, Captain.
1: <laughs> then the
4: captain said. John Henry I'm gonna bring me a steam drill round I'm gonna bring me a steam drill How on the job I'm gonna pop that steel on down Lord, Lord Pop that steel on
1: down
5: Sure enough, next day they had a steam drill out on the job Big red steam drill, shiny smokestacks sticking up in the air. Well, they had old John Henry over there, muscles rippling in the sun, sweat running off in
1: gimlets.
5: (laughs) Ringlets. Well, the captain, head of all the railroad workers, looked over at that steam drill and smiled. Then he turned over, Looked over at John Henry, those beady little eyes. He snarled over John Henry. Hi there, John. <laughs> well, John Henry didn't say nothing. Just spit on his hands. Picked up those two nine-pound hammers. Walked slowly over towards that steam drill. Spit on the steam drill. I went over and spit on the captain. (laughs) Well, it got to be about 12 o'clock starting time for the race. Every railroad man in the county was out there that day because they knew if John Henry lost that race, they were all out of a job. Well, it got to be starting time for the race. John Henry is up there at that starting line. That steam drill was up there at that starting line. Big smokestack sticking right up in the air. A little bit of spit on it.
1: <laughs>
5: well, the captain walked up to the start line, and I swear you could hear a pin drop that day. He took out his pistol and pointed it up in the air. John Henry spit on it. Actually, this was about the greatest race in the history of man. The race between a man and a machine. He pointed that pistol up in the air and shot it off. (coughs) Bang. (laughs) That started that race.
4: Then it hammered John Henry out of sight, Lord, Lord. Hammered John Henry out of sight.
1: Hammered John Henry out of sight. Oh,
5: Lordy. Yeah, that's right. John Henry lost that race. Some smart aleck thought he could be a steam drill. <laughs>
4: <laughs> what a thing for granular. John Henry said to the captain, to the captain, by God I ain't no boy. Before I'll die with a hammer in my hand, I'm gonna get me a steam drill to Lord Lord. Get me a steam drill to get me, get me a steam drill to Lord Lord.
1: another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner Programme Motor and sink and design To get by of to the top and the gas don't mind Cruising by now, cruising by now Come on, Summerprogram.com. From the Tom Sumner Show Oh
6: yeah Hi, I'm Alexander Zonchik. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.